before I before I start, I thought uh, just want to do a quick welcome. Uh, just want to really welcome YJ, uh, who is a, a friend of ours from like back in uni days. That was like ten years ago, and he's now moved to Lincoln to work. <laughs> and um, and also want to welcome any one of you who've been who've never been here. This is your first time in uh, in One Heart Church. A very very warm welcome to you. Actually, if you it is your first time in One Heart Church, can you just raise your hands? Thank you. And for those who see their hands, why not give them a high five? Those sitting around there, thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Uh, so I am not a pastor. All right. Uh, I can't do weddings. I can't do anything. All right. I I'm a, I'm a medical doctor. All right. So um, and um, today I want to share with you uh, something that I think it's it's so essential and it's so important for. Uh, for our lives, even in, in this day and age, it's called trust. All right? Yeah, trust. Right? Now, we are living in a, it's been quite a difficult summer, isn't it? You know, to be honest with you, like, you know, we had bushfires and then, um, and we had a little bit of flash flooding and people swimming around sewage waters, like, what, what, what are you thinking of? Um, and, um, and then we have coronavirus, because this is, this is what's going on out there. That's the elephant in the room. The elephant in the global room at the moment is the coronavirus. Now, you don't need to go very far to know that there is a lot of issues of trust involving the coronavirus. Now, this is a terrible time to look Asian, unfortunately, because everywhere you go, everywhere you go, it's like, don't sneeze, don't cough, just in case people think you got coronavirus. Right? And... Um, I've, uh, it's a privilege that we get to spend, uh, I'm Malaysian Chinese by origin, so we, did, we went back to Malaysia for uh, the Lunar New Year. No, I didn't go to China. I didn't go to Wuhan. I am not quarantinable, all right? So if there's a word for it, no, so don't worry. Um, and, you know, we are thankful that we live in a country where the government actually is doing all they can to evacuate our, our citizens. There are many countries that don't even go close to what they're doing. So be thankful for our government. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, but it doesn't take away the stigma that if you look like Asian, you better wear a mask <laughs> when you go to the airport. So we, and um, we were like transiting through Singapore. Uh, and like everybody's wearing masks. And I thought, that's the new fashion statement. So we better... I put mask on my kids. <laughs> I said, "See, we looked apart. We took a selfie." It's like, "Yeah, we've, we've, we've joined the coronavirus scare." But on, on the serious side, on the serious side, can I encourage us all to pray for China? You know, whatever happens in China is going to affect us, whether you like it or not. You've already seen it in our seafood industry. Whatever happens in China will affect us because we are connected globally now. We are very, very connected. And can I encourage you to pray for the church in China? Because we are seeing um, letters from Chinese pastors asking us to pray for Wuhan, to pray for China, because the Christians in China are praying. They are praying that God will turn their nation around because of the coronavirus. That what the enemy intended for evil, God will turn it around for good. So instead of having the stigma, can I encourage you to pray? Because God is greater than Port Lincoln. God is greater than Australia. God is the God of this world. So can I encourage you that to extend your faith, to extend to pray for our Christians in China. 
And you know that it's so encouraging to hear one of uh, the pastors that have written uh, to the world. He has to remain anonymous because of Chinese censorship. He says that, look, we are praying. We are, on, we are in lockdown. This is a pastor in Wuhan. We are in lockdown. Nobody can gather anywhere, but we are all praying. We are all praying that, the, that people will know that nothing separates us from the love of God. No sickness, no coronavirus, no any kind of virus will separate us from the love of God. And he says, keep praying for China. So I thought, yeah, I just want to encourage us to have a greater mindset, to look beyond the four corners of our lives, four corners of our church, and four corners of our town. Now, let's go to trust. Trust. Who can you trust? Do you remember that advertisement? Ten years ago, this guy, George Capinaris, he always appears in those RAA advertisements. This is this guy, he always talks to his friend Trev. Hey, Trev! And you know, and he's always, he's always, disaster seems to follow him. Every time, he, either his car got broken and his house got caught on fire, and then they're trying to sell insurance pretty much, right? But they come up with a tagline, trust, who, you can, who can you trust? And it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a tagline from lots of in, from RAA insurance company. But uh, it was a real annoying advertisement. But the moment you say that word, trust, who can you trust? I just thought about that ad. <laughs> and, but, it's, but it's true. Life always comes up with disasters, isn't it? Personally, as, even as, uh, sometimes as a church and even as a nation, as a town, like, trouble seems to follow us. You don't actually have to look for trouble, right? right? I, I know there are some people who love to look for trouble, but the majority of us... <laughs> The trouble just comes, all right? Um, so trust, who can you trust? Now more than ever, and especially as you've seen what happened with the coronavirus, people are trusting different sources of information. And that is one of the reasons why there has been such widespread panic. Because people are relying and trusting the wrong information. And then uh, it, the wrong information spreads fear, and it spreads fear, and then you get behavior that is erratic you get behavior that is pretty ridiculous. Right? You see what's going on all over our major cities where Chinatown is deserted because people think that anyone that looks Asian carries a coronavirus. You see, this is, and it is fueled by social media. It is fueled by the internet. So I want to encourage us that we, as a church, as Christians, we need to be like the sons of Issachar, that we understand the times, and that we also know where to get reliable, credible information. All right? We need to pray correctly. We, if you pray on false news, then what's the point? All right? So it's very important, even in these times of uncertainty, that we get information correctly and we know what is, at least to the best of our knowledge, is credible information and we pray. Trust. Who can you trust? Why don't we go to the definition of trust in the first place? So we're going to do a bit of dissection on trust. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of autopsy on trust. Okay, now trust. Trust is such a simple word, but it's so deep. And that's why there's, you can search a few definitions of trust, but I can summarize it to three definitions. One is to place confidence or depend. Number two, to commit or place into one's care or keeping. Number three, to rely on the truthfulness or accuracy of. So you can see that trust has, 
is so wide and it's so difficult to define in one sentence. But it is trust, isn't it? With all the three definitions, if you look at it, that is trust. Now, so that I do find that as human beings, we, we all have issues of trust, right? We, we all have trust issues, okay? Because you don't trust everybody, don't you? I don't even trust myself sometimes, right? right? So we, we have issues of trust. And do you know that even as Christians, we bring our trust issues when we walk with God? See, the things that have happened to us in the past, sometimes we sort of adopt it into our relationship with God as well. And how we view God sometimes is also influenced by our trust issues. So trust. There are some interest, interesting facts that I want to share with you about trust and trusting someone or trusting something and also being entrusted with something, right? So, it's definitely not an exhaustive fact, but I managed to narrow it down to four things. There's actually different relationship levels of trust, right? I can trust the pilot of the plane to take me to Adelaide safely, but I don't trust the pilot with teaching my kids. The same thing as you... Uh, you come to see a doctor, you trust him to make the right judgment call, but you're not going to ask your doctor to repair your car. Duh, yeah? Um, yeah. So there's different relationship levels of trust. But I want to highlight to you that there is actually, there is no trust without relationship because there is always a connection between relationship and trust. It always involves a need. Something precious to you, something that you feel that there's a task that is important or a need that is so, so essential, and you are actually transferring the responsibility to somebody else or to another party. So there is actually a transference of responsibility. So when you say, I trust you, say, I am giving you something that is really precious to me, and I want you to take responsibility over it. And that's what I do when I send my kids to school. Right? I tell the teacher, you send your kids to school, you are trusting that the task of teaching your children properly is transferred to your teachers. Right? Now, third thing, without trust, there's no faith. That's the end of the story. You say, I have faith, but I don't trust God. That sounds like an oxymoron statement, isn't it? Yeah. So, without trust, there is no faith. And you know that in this year, our, our theme is victory. Without faith, there's no victory. That means that without trust, there is no faith. No faith, no victory. And trust, or a person's trustworthiness, is tested during life's battles and uncertainties. You do not know whether you can trust somebody or something or a product or an organization when, until crisis hits. And you will know who you can trust, isn't it? That's, that's basic, that's life. That's life. Um, so these are the four things about trust. Now, we can, we can look at it in this way. Since there is a relationship between trust and being entrusted, which one do you think carries the heavier responsibility? The one who is trusting or the one that is being entrusted with the responsibility? Hands up if you think the greater responsibility is the truster. Hands up if you think it is the trustee. 
that has the greater responsibility. And it's true. The one who is being entrusted with the task or the need carries the greater weight of responsibility. So I want to move on to being trustworthy, right? So now we know that one that holds the responsibility carries the greater weight. Then what does it mean being trustworthy? Because this is what is the most important thing. Are you trustworthy? Am I trustworthy? I want to share with you three basic essential ingredients which I think and I believe makes up a person being trustworthy. All right, follow me, all right? And I put it to the three C's, all right? It's not, uh, it's not cash car condominium, all right? So it's not. Um, the three C's. Number one, essential ingredients of being trustworthy is competency, all right? What is competency? The competency is the ability to do something successfully or efficiently. It's pretty simple. I get on the plane, I trust that the pilot is competent to fly me from A to B. Right? I have an operation, I trust that the surgeon has the competency to do my operation successfully and cut the right leg. Right? Competency. Now, you can see that everybody's competency is different, isn't it? So we don't trust one person for everything because we are not competent with everything, right? So there are different relationship levels. So competency is one of the first essential ingredients. Second ingredient, consistency. So what is consistency? It basically means that you can achieve the same level of performance or result and doesn't vary in quality over time, right? So it's consistent behavior or treatment, and that means it never changes. So you can do this 10 years from now, and you still get the same result. Consistency, the second C. The third C, which I think is the biggest challenge to being trustworthy in this day and age, is character. Character. What is character? You know, we, we use this word so much, but what exactly is character? Character basically implies your core nature. What is the essential thing, your essential nature, the integrity of your inside? And it's a lot to do with your convictions. And your convictions will influence your motivation. And your motivation will influence your behavior. And your behavior will influence your decisions. And this is the part where I can show you that trust is tested the most because a person's character is tested the most during life's troubles, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to give you an example. You want to buy a car. The, uh, the, sales, the salesperson is giving you all sorts of wonderful numbers about this car, like this car can just blah, 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 blah. And then you have your parent right beside you and tell you that this is a lemon. You do not listen to him. Now, who do you trust? Of course, I hope you say your parent <laughs> and, not, and not the salesperson because I want to tell you that the salesperson is motivated by profit. Your parent is motivated because he cares for you. He doesn't want you to be ripped off. All right? So you can see the different levels of trust. 
right? A person's character, a person's convictions, a person's motivation is going to influence how trustworthy they are. All right, I haven't lost you there, hopefully. Right, so let's summarize this. Being trustworthy involves competency, consistency, and character. Now, I can tell you straight up that nobody, nobody in this world, you and I, nobody is 100% trustworthy. Doesn't mean we don't trust people, but we are not 100% perfectly trustworthy. All right? We are imperfectly trustworthy because not all, we are not 100% competent. I hope you think that you're not 100% competent um, because pilots still crash planes, doctors still make mistakes, mechanics still, still, lose, a, still lose a nut somewhere, you know, because we are not that competent. All right? We are very competent, but we are not perfectly competent. All right? And nobody is perfectly consistent. And nobody has the perfect character, right? We can, we can say that, oh, I'm motivated by, by this and that, by this and that, it's all good. But it's not 100%. Even our parents, even I myself as a parent, I don't think I'm motivated 100% by love and care for my kids with every decision I make because sometimes I do it so that I can get my sanity back, right? This is living in a real world, right? So... Um, there's no one trustworthy, 100% perfectly trustworthy, but I want to introduce to you to the person who is 100% trustworthy, who is 100% competent, who is 100% consistent, who is, who's got 100% perfect character, which is God. And that is why we are all here. All right? I want to tell you that since the beginning of time, God is asking and God is actually approaching mankind saying, please trust me. Please trust me because, because I want so much. I want to give you so much in this life and so much more. But you know the problem is that mankind through history don't really trust God. We keep going back to our old ways and trusting ourselves. And God decided to breach the gap because perhaps mankind feel that God is far away. But 2,000 years ago, God came. God came to this earth. He took the form of a human being, and his name is Jesus. He came and showed us that he is 100% trustworthy. And I want to show you now that Jesus is 100% trustworthy. And Jesus himself said that we can trust God. So I, want, I hope that by the end of today that you can say, I can trust God. All right. Now, John chapter 12, verse 44 to 47. Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. So that is as clear as it gets. Jesus pretty much summarized it all, saying that if you see me and you trust me, you have seen the Father and you can trust me. When you trust Jesus, you are trusting God. And Jesus has made it very clear there that he is asking us to trust him. So we are going to put God 
to the test. We are going to put God through the trustworthy test. And then I can show you that God is 100% trustworthy. God is all competent. Romans chapter 1 verse 20, Paul opens his letter to uh, the Roman church saying that ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So people can say, no, I don't know God. But no, actually, you do know God. You have seen the evidence through creation. You have seen the evidence through science. Do you know that science is proving God exists? And, it's not, and science is not proving that God doesn't exist. So if you look closely, you will find that actually science, in the end of the day, will prove that God exists. And I encourage you to do your research, to go through uh, credible sources to see why that you can see the evidence through creation. And God has shown through the history pages of the Bible even with his, uh, the way he leads Israel and the, the miracles that he, create, that, that he did for the nation of Israel to show that he is competent. He opened the Red Sea. He, um, he had the pillar of, uh, pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire and, uh, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And he did miracles after miracles to deliver the nation of Israel. And then he tops it all up by coming to earth as a form of a man. And he died on that cross to conquer the biggest enemy of mankind, which is death. He conquered sin and death. And during his life on earth, he showed that he's totally competent. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he calmed the storm. He did everything to show that he is in control, that he is master of the earth and sky and the waters. And he is also now the conqueror of death. And so Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 summarizes is that says the sun radiates. The sun means Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. That sums it all up. He radiates God's glory. He controls everything and he has even forgiven our sin. Because the biggest bridge, the biggest gap between man and God is our sin. And Jesus himself paid the price so that we can, we can truly be saved and we can truly be forgiven and be restored to in, to, in our relationship with God. So God is 100% competent through the evidence of creation and the evidence of redemption. God is consistent. Jesus himself said that heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And God has shown that he is consistent with his word. Because from the start, if you read your Bible, he tells Abraham that I will bless you. Has God kept his word? God has kept his word. God has never fallen back on his word. But he also say that if you reject me, I will reject you. So if you look at the history of the nation of Israel, every time they put their trust in God, God is consistent. God actually delivers them from their enemies. God brings a deliverance. But whenever they fall away and they don't trust God, the opposite happens. Because God is true to His Word. And so when we reject God, God is consistent with His Word too. 
because he said the wages of sin is death. But praise God that he actually breached that gap. See, God has never went back on his word and said, oh, it's all right, I, I will overlook this now. He didn't overlook it because the cross actually showed that how much God hates sin. All right? The cross is the evidence of how much God hates sin and that to the point that he needs to die such a horrible death to show us that sin matters. But then God also showed the greatness of his love by doing that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says that God can be trusted to keep his promise. So God will always keep his promises and his word. So God is consistent. Jesus is consistent. Number three, which is the most important, Jesus, God, has the perfect character. All right? What do you mean by that? I can tell you in four letters, in four letters, love. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8-10, to 10, it says that, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is not even a loving God. God is love itself. Right? God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God in all of his glory, in all of his competency, in all of his consistency, he is motivated by love. Just love, because he loves us. And we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Yeah, why does he want to love the world? We are such unlovable people. I don't know. But God is saying that he loves us. All right? And we, we think about how, you know, like uh, how there's so much suffering in this world and we say that, oh God, why there's so much suffering in this world? And you say you love us. Well, because in our free will, we, re we decided to reject God. But also in God's free will, He decided to forgive us and save us. So the same God who gave us the free will that we use to reject Him, He uses His own free will to save us. Um, and Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39 says, Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is the same, the same passage of Scripture that says, well, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, no angels nor demons, nothing in all creation that is created will be able to separate us from the love of God. Right. So God is motivated by His love. 100% love. So shall we summarize? God showed His competency through His power. He showed consistency through His Word. And he showed character integrity to his love. So I can tell you with 100% confidence that God, Jesus Christ, is able to do all things. And he is faithful to do it. And he is loving. And that means he's 100% trustworthy. Right? God is 100% trustworthy. The, uh, the question that I want to ask you and I is, would we trust him? Because he's done, he's part of the equation. And we have to do the lesser side of the equation. Is Will we trust him? Will you trust God with your life? If he is all competent, all consistent, and, has, and everything he does is because he loves us, would you trust him? Would you trust him with your past? Would you trust him with your present? Would you trust him with your future? I want to show you some evidence from God's word of the blessing of trusting in God. 
Now you can look up your Bible and 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 uh, and double check because yeah, uh, Pastor Jimmy was saying that oh you, don't, you you didn't open your Bible. I said yeah, I'm preaching from the NCJV New Crazy Jensen version. Um, but look, look at Second Kings chapter eighteen, verse five to eight. It talks about Hezekiah. He was a king of Judah, who ruled Judah at a very very tumultuous time. Right when during Hezekiah's reign, he fell terminally ill, and he also was under siege by the king of Assyria. And there was so much pressure on Hezekiah to bow down to his circumstances, but he refused, and he decided to trust God. And you will see through the reign of Hezekiah how God delivered the kingdom of Judah. So by trusting in God, Hezekiah was successful in his reign, even though the entire circumstances surrounding his reign is not favorable. Psalms 21 verse 7, he says, Trusting in God prevents us from stumbling. So that means it keeps us stable. Psalms 37 verse 3 to 4, that's the, that's the same passage of, passage of Scripture that Pastor Josh shared last week about delighting yourself in the Lord and Him giving you the desires of your heart. But if you read on, it actually says, trust in the Lord and you will live in safety and prosperity in the land. So when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He gives us the desires of our heart and when we trust Him, we live in safety and prosperity. And, and Mr. Carl Bone has said, has shared the, um, the scripture this morning about you will keep in perfect peace those who trust in you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, that is a famous scripture too because it, it, it says, um, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. But in another translation, it actually says those who trust in the Lord. So, it's, so waiting is actually, if you translate it, it's actually trust. So if you trust in the Lord, you will soar and you will find strength to soar despite of your circumstances. And Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, Paul writes that God will give you joy, peace and confident hope as you trust in the Lord. So there are many blessings when we decide to trust in God. So where's our starting point? You say, this is all great, Jensen. You're telling me all of this, but what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Um, very, very simple. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. The first and most important thing you got to do is have a relationship with God. Is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the moment you trust Jesus Christ, you are trusting God. And the scripture says that he will make his home in our hearts and our roots will go down into God's love. It's not growing down into, into doctrine. It's not growing down into uh, some sort of uh, theology. We are going down into God's love because God's love keeps us strong. So Christ will make his home in your hearts if you decide to trust in him. And when Christ comes into your heart, he will, take you, he will take you and I on this journey of faith, this journey of trust, this journey that because he has great plans for you and I. He's got great plans to make, to make us significant in his kingdom. You know, God has great plans for each and every one of us, young and old. Uh, and, but... 
the way he does it is different from what the world expects. Because the world, when they look at someone that is trustworthy and, and qualified, they look at their competency first, isn't it? But God does it the other way around. God works in our character first. So God does the reverse. So when God comes into our hearts, he does a core change. He changes our hearts first, and then he gives us the consistency to walk in it, and then he will give us the competency to fulfill our destiny. So God does it the other way around, because the kingdom of God is different. And so my question to you and I, as I ask the worship team to come back up, is will you embark on this journey of trust with Jesus Christ? I want to speak to two different groups of people. The first group of people is that you've never heard of Jesus, or maybe you've heard of Jesus, but you never really knew that what he longs for is actually to have a relationship with you. And he's telling you today that he is 100% trustworthy. That no matter what you go through in life, he says, I can be trusted. I can be trusted to heal you. I can be trusted to deliver you. I can be trusted to save you. And the Bible says that God, God in His Word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that we, that he's, and we believe in our hearts that, that He's been raised from the dead, then you are saved. Then you have begun a relationship with God. As every, bit, every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to extend this invitation to you because it's not about what my words are because I just want to introduce you to Jesus. That's all I want to do to you today. I want to introduce to you to, to the one that is 100% trustworthy. I just want to introduce you to the person of Jesus Christ. And if your desire today is say, look, I haven't got it all together, but I really want to give this, this Jesus Christ a go. I really want to give this Jesus a go and I just want to put my trust in Him to follow Him as God. If that is you, as every head bowed, every eyes closed, would you raise your hand so that I can see it? Thank you for that hand. Thank you so much. So one, there's, there's one that's responded. Thank you so much. Now for, for the person who's put their hands up, I want to, enc I want to encourage you to pray this prayer after, after me and I want to encourage the rest of the church to pray this prayer after after me as well alright so here we go dear Jesus I trust you with my life now I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again from the dead and now I receive you as my Lord and my Saviour and I can trust you knowing that my sins are forgiven and that I am born again. I, I want to follow you from this day on and for the rest of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've prayed this prayer for the first time, through the authority of God's Word and the consistency of His Word, I can tell you that you are saved. And you've entered into the family of God. And I want to encourage you.
that after the service, if you can come, um, when the service is over, come and talk to um, your pastors and talk, you can talk to me as well in the front. I'll be waiting here in the front to uh, give you some resources and just to encourage you and, and, help, and help you in your next step. Um, praise God for that. Now, second group of people. I want to pray for those of us who are having crisis in their lives. For those of us who we are, you know, that you are struggling and the, the battles are so intense and that you feel that it's so hard to trust God because your, your circumstances seem to suggest otherwise. You know what? This is the time as the body of Christ that we need to stand together with our brothers and sisters who are struggling and to trust God together. To trust God together because that's the way God affirms your faith. And so that God, if you're honest with yourself and if you say that I, I'm struggling in my trust in God, I am just like the man in the, in the, in, in the Gospels uh, whose son was possessed by a demon and the disciples couldn't drive out the demon. But the father came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. So if that's your prayer, say, God, I need your help. Help me in my unbelief. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. And I want, I want to encourage you as you lift your hand, I want to encourage the rest of the church. If you see anyone with their hands raised, can you stretch out your hands to them or even get out of your seat and stand together with the person that is having their hands up? Because we need to pray and believe God together that God can strengthen the faith of our brothers and sisters who are struggling. So if you see anyone with their hands raised, can we just take a step of faith as a church and just stand together with them? And just stand with those who are seated and actually having their hands raised. It's okay that if you're weak and you can't stand, but we as a church, we will stand with you. Shall we pray? We can start praying and after I'm finished praying, we will, we will sing a song. But keep praying. Keep praying for our struggling brothers and sisters. Dear Lord, we are just like that man. We say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Lord, we trust in you. We know that you're 100% trustworthy. That whatever the circumstances is, whatever the crisis is, you are greater. And Lord, we speak faith in the atmosphere. We speak a breakthrough in the atmosphere today as we pray for our struggling brothers and sisters that you'll show yourself faithful and true. That you'll show yourself as a God who is able, as a God who is faithful, and a God who loves us. We trust in you, Lord, today. And we know that you always come true with the goods. That you always come true with the goods, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.